Lower your expectations. It's a hockey podcast from Lance, Coach, and Randall. Gabe Gifford Hockey is our Season 2 sponsor. Fantastic young man. He has recorded 21-hour stick time lessons and put them online as a course. It'll take your little champion through 20 hours of competitive hockey lessons. You can get more out of stick and puck with your child. It's better, and it's a lot less expensive than a regular private coach would be. Give him a look, because he's a great kid, and he's helped us out a lot. Hello and welcome to Youth Hockey Podcast, episode 4848 on the docket. I'm so proud of us, Lance, for getting to 48. It's only two away from 50 and only 102 away from 150, which is really my goal. That is a good goal. Yeah, yeah. No, just make it to 150 because, you know, uh, that sounds like a nice round number. I think if we make it to 150, we should just like just cut it off right there. I mean, you know, when we get to 150, we're like, OK, we've talked enough about youth hockey. It's done. Uh, can, what, right. do you, what do you think about it? Do you think that's uh, that's uh, going too far or do you think that's uh, not going far enough? Like 250? I well, think if we get to, to 150, we'll syndicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah 10 years we'll- in. If we get to 150, we've we've gone way past uh, where, when we sh- should have stopped. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think we jumped. Some the would shark, argue the we should have in... stopped about 25 episodes ago. So. <laughs> yeah, officially we jumped the shark in 47. So I mean, you know, so now now we're in 48. Uh, let's see how we're going. I would like to uh, talk about the rink roundup uh, this week, and I'm going to throw you a little curveball, uh, Dave and uh, uh, mm-hmm. Lance. I would like you to talk about a rink that is closed down that is now like a ghost rink uh, or just gone. Uh, Cause last week you were talking a little bit about like, you know, how you, you've been around uh, Pennsylvania, you've been seeing a lot of the rinks that have closed, you know, uh, the radio shacks have closed. Uh, I know you wandered in and out of, of some of the places that you used to go as a kid and found out yeah. they're gone too. So I'd like to go, I'd like to go into that. Uh, so Dave, you have a, you have a closed rink that you could uh, share with us. Um, I have plenty of closed rinks, but um now, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna just uh, take one that uh, I hope this doesn't uh, undercut Lance here, but I, I he brought this this rink up to my attention, and I'm gonna use it um, because I, I did used to play men's league there, and that is the Culver City Ice Rink. It is now no longer uh, in existence. Um, interesting rink. Uh, yeah, I used to play hockey with a bunch of bunch of guys there. Got the beer and, and everything. And uh, uh, many many people in LA um, that played hockey at one time or another played there. A single and, sheet, uh, a double sheet, what single what kind sheet? Of... Okay. And uh, didn't had like temporary locker rooms that were built. Uh, like I don't even know how to describe it. The, the, you'd have to walk up these rickety stairs to to get up to the uh, the locker rooms. So okay, yeah, are they worse or better than the Bears? Just so we know, because that's that's the the, the oh it's it's worse. Like, I mean I mean the Bears. Okay, because that's a floor. Yeah. That's a, one of the shittiest locker room situations I've ever seen. So if it's worse yeah. than the Bears, you're saying something. No, that well the Bears. Yeah, I mean can you, like that's a structure that uh, literally was built in in the parking lot. So yeah. that's why that was so. But uh, I mean, conversely, at least it they did have um, you know showers. It's not like you really wanted to use them, but uh, no, you know, 
you get a shower afterwards. Uh, Culver d- didn't even have that. It just had the a rickety set of stairs and some 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 kind of weird half built platform with a couple of rooms up there, and that's uh, and that was the locker room facilities up there. I had fond memories of playing broomball out of Culver City. Oh, oh nice, nice. Uh, now, uh, did any did, like did anybody play out of there that were like uh, uh, did was it a practice facility or was it something cool or what did, was it just a regular rink that went down? I I think my, I believe a lot they had um, some some kind of well known figure skaters that that uh, skated out of there uh, hmm. some Olympic uh, level figure skaters over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the home rink of any, you know, teams or anything. Um, it just was, uh, a place where, uh, in my youth, uh, I skated with many, you know, former hockey players. Uh, I've mentioned a few, like the guy that, uh, that wrote the mighty ducks movie was one of the guys I, I believe I played with him there and some other people like that. So yeah, anyway. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, I think a lot of those people, you know, Bruckheimer probably played there with his uh, crew of people. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, a lot. You know, there was only so many rinks back then, and I it was it was sad when they closed it because I mean, there's not a lot of places like that. I know they tried to to get the city to, um, you know, kick in the money and to to purchase it, but unlike uh, what happened to Valencia, Culver City. <laughs> The city of Culver City said, "No, we we're not going to fund this." And then we're good. When did it close? Uh, it's been a bunch of years now. I mean, really? I want to say yeah. five, seven years at least since it, I heard it closed. I, I could be wrong, but it's been a while. I think. No, okay. I, I had played there in a long okay. time. Lance, do you have a uh, closed drink you could share with us? Yes, because uh, now. They would tell you it was in the city of North Hills. However, when I was a youth, it was called Van Nuys. And uh, off of uh, Roscoe near... Uh, yeah, right like near, near the Budweiser. <laughs> the Budweiser Yeah, exactly, factory. right near Budweiser. That was the Los Angeles Kings' original practice facility. Uh, yeah, how did they, how'd they lose that? How they lose that? played there as well. How, how is well, it what happened was is that all the players... As, as, as players came in, you know, and, and most of them back in those days were young farm boys from Canada, they all wanted to live on the beach. So eventually it just became more prudent for the Kings to build a facility by the ocean. And that's why they built the El Segundo rink and closed that one down. And now all those fond memories of, the, of that uh, North Hills rink is now a FedEx distribution center. Right. It also they had a uh, they had a roller rink there as well, and they used to have a I, I play roller there on that roller rink. They had a, a league that was uh, but because remember they had for a few years they had that professional roller league, and so they had a, a quasi professional version of that that was underwritten by Budweiser called the Budweiser League. Oh, so cool. I, I played in that for a few years there with some some buddies of mine. So yeah, I spent a lot of time at both of those rinks. And um, I do remember they had the bar there that, you know, that was uh, that was always a, you know, a good big a good attraction. Place. Yeah. Any yeah. place you can. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when they when they built El Segundo, they sure put that bar in there fast, didn't they? Like, 
Uh, every hockey uh, rink, uh, uh, the only way they stay open, I believe, is by bar sales. Uh, I'm not sure if that's absolutely true, but I've noticed that uh, people like to have a beer after they've uh, either watched or played hockey. Hey, Randy, nothing goes better than a crazy hockey dad, beer, and his son's team losing. Oh, there's a, the, it's the foam on the top of the beer. Great combination. That is. Yeah, it's a great combination. Um, mine is a, a Silmar rink, and I know very little a bit, a bit about it. I'm sorry, uh, but I do remember it was my introduction to Southern California hockey. Uh, I think there were the Sabretooths or something like that. I went and saw a, one of my colleagues play in an adult men le- men's league in Silmar. I can't even tell you where it was. It was near the rail, uh, the railroad tracks. It was a beat up rink, um, but I do uh, credit it with being the first time I ever really walked into a rink and watched a friend play a hockey game. Uh, and uh, since then, I've watched so many hockey games. I have to give it its credit. Uh, that's that's where I started. Uh, Silmar, California, uh, in the Valley, um, uh, looked like uh, looked like a uh, a triple wide trailer uh, had been dropped uh, in, in the middle of uh, Industrial Plaza and uh, they, they put some ice on it. Uh, it was not beautiful, but it was uh, it was nice to see uh, a little hockey. And uh, so that's uh, that's uh, that's my uh, that's my closed rink. I didn't even know Silmar had a rink. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to like uh, I tell you what I will look up while Coach Raleigh is explaining his topic today. I'm going to look up the history of the rink uh, so I can actually chime in with something uh, helpful. But uh, I, I wanted to talk about it because it is just like the first. Uh, but I'll, I'll 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 try to give you the dates that it closed by the time the show's gone. Just just for you, Lance. Just for you. Yeah, yeah. You you might want to explain where Silmar is because I think like a lot of oh, places in California, Silmar, if you, most people if you, are like, I have no idea what. These no, but if you don't know where Silmar is, don't even worry about it. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody should be going to the map. Nobody, please, just live your lives. Do not find out where Silmar is. Uh, Coach, uh, I'm going to throw it to you. I think you were the man with the plan for this uh, episode, uh, so take it away. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, had a little glitch. Um, so, uh, so I'm introdu- I'm doing my topic now. <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> that indeed, is what's happening, indeed, Coach. That is uh, that is exactly what we're hoping. We were saying <laughs> Coach Ralston is going to take over the show. Go. Yes. All right. Thank you. Um, I am going to talk today about um skills coaching and um this i I really have to credit this entire sort of uh topic i'm gonna throw out here for people is uh based on an an article by a guy uh, named jack han or han i i hope i'm not mispronouncing his name but uh he's I, i don't know if i've mentioned him before but he's a uh guy who has worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs, amongst other uh, hockey organizations, uh, he worked uh, for the Marlies as a as an a hockey analyst, I think, and um, you know the their their uh, the Maple Leafs um, uh, AHL team, and um, so he he uh, wrote this article, and it was about uh, the, to kind of set it up. He um 
talked about the fact that he had um, over the years been able to kind of learn about skills coaching from some really um, top-notch, well-known skills um, practitioners. And a few of these we've mentioned over the many years of of the Youth Hockey Podcast. Um, uh, Daryl Belfry is one guy I've mentioned a number of times. Uh, and so basically he, he said he, you know, a lot of these things came from, um, things that he picked up working, uh, and, and basically watching how Daryl Belfry and, uh, a guy named Adam Nicholas, who, uh, who I'm not familiar with, but I think he's a a guy who's worked with a lot of teams in, in the new England area. And also a woman named Barb Underhill, Barb Underhill, someone I'm familiar with, um, because she was a figure skater, I believe a, a Canadian Olympic figure skater, and sort of like in the second half of her career kind of became a, um, a skating guru. And she's works with a bunch of NHL players. And uh, I think it, uh, for a while she's, she had worked for um, the Maple Leafs and then also worked for um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and um, she got a, a lot of press for having worked with Braden Point and um, helped, helped him elevate his skating quite a bit. So um, this article basically is talking about, the title of it is Six Paradoxes of Skills Coaching. And um, I'm just going to go through these. Um, and uh, a lot of these things, you know, he's pointing out that they're paradoxical because they seem to be in some sometimes like counterintuitive. So the first one is uh, paradox one, the best training aid is no training aid. And um, you guys, uh, we've all had our kids do a lot of skills training. And, um, uh, you know, I'll just throw it out to you, you know, I, I think like a lot of people in the, in the early days, that, you know, seeing a coach come out with a bunch of, uh, you know, um, shooter tutor things or, 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 you know, the, the blocks that they have to put the pucks through and all this type of gear, it, it, uh, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of people think, well, if a coach isn't bringing those out, I, I, are we getting our money's worth? I mean, am I wrong here that uh, that's one of the things that um, people think about? You're never getting your money's worth, coach. No matter what uh, coach has ever brought out their stuff, uh, I can I can tell you right now. Um, I never thought of that as part of the money making uh, issue, but I'll tell you, I never, ever thought that uh, the amount of money that went into hockey was was a was a smart move or a smart investment. Right. Uh, well, love the sport. Me, me love neither, the sport. But, uh... Okay. Love the sport. Just wanted to get that in there. Yeah. No. I. I. Um... I never thought I would uh, actually pay someone to you know, have my kid do a private lesson. I, I didn't think that was a thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the gear and all the accoutrement with it. Well, anyway, um, what he's saying is that, you know, the, I've observed these top-notch, you know, best-in-their-field teachers. And one thing I've noticed is they don't, they don't use any of these things. And... Um, so I'm going to just read a little quote here. Um, While good skills coaches are adept at using the right on ice hardware, blah, blah, blah. The best skill coaches I know of use no hardware at all. Um, it's not having the apparatus forces a coach to really pay attention to the student and give targeted feedback. And then furthermore, 
completing a circuit with incorrect posture, puck placement, or visual scanning process means that the skills definitely won't transfer to the game. And I think this is really uh, something else that uh, I'd read someone talking about that makes a lot of sense to me, which is that you get the, you know, your kid, if you, if your kids played a, a pretty high level of hockey and you see them getting better, you, you go to a lesson like this and you can see them, you know, going through these things with great skill. And yet you wonder like, uh, is any of this actually transferring to them? Uh, I mean, they're going through all these things, but the reality is in hockey, when is there a point where, I mean, I guess once every now and then there's a, there's a player who's just standing still and you're going through them like they're a, a piece of equipment, but you know, otherwise all the time uh, people are moving all the time and their sticks are moving. And uh, it's more like, you know, uh, triangulating and, and um, you know, figuring out spatial awareness and to have a bunch of things sitting on the ice that don't move. Um, I don't know if it's really um, something that, that is, going to cause a transferable skill um so you know, it's, it's funny dave that you mentioned that because you kind of triggered a memory for me in that like you said for certain for certain skills i can think back today now and and remember kind of skill training that we that we paid for that was just like in my mind a complete waste of money uh that you could have got just as much value out of just doing a, a, a stick time or, or a, an open skate even without, uh, uh, without you know, a stick and a puck. And those guys who really, I thought, added value. And I'll give you a perfect example was, you know, I can't tell you how many times we would go out to these like weekly, um, I think they would call it like power skating, power skating clinic. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, they would run these kids through all these, different drills uh you know do this skating drill and do that skating drill now we're gonna you know do ladders and and all this stuff and and looking back on it i kind of feel like boy what a waste of money we did because all you did was have a kid skating back and forth and you had you know uh player a who was just had this beautiful form and he's just out there skating up and down and just reinforcing what he's already doing and then you have skater B who was who had the worst form in the world, and all he's doing is reinforcing his horrible uh, technique up and down the ice because you had like 20, 30 kids skating around, and they're they're just skating through these drills. Uh, and then we would have I, I remember having sessions here and there, and maybe there were only four or five guys, and my kid would go through and do the drill, and the coach would come over. And I'd see him talking to him and saying and correcting him and saying, no, you know, and trying to teach him what the correct form was. And that was so much more valuable than throwing him out there, like you said, with a ton of guys just going through the motions. It reminds me of me with golf, you know, and I'd go out there and I'd hit 500 golf balls a weekend and I'd tell the local pro, why aren't I getting better? And he said, look, you got you know, uh, frankly speaking, <laughs> you got terrible form and all you're doing is reinforcing <laughs> your terrible form by hitting balls. It's not right. about working harder. It's, he said, you got to work smarter. Someone's got to show you what you're doing wrong and you got to start working, doing it right. And I think there's a lot of these clinics where the kids are just doing it wrong and nobody's ever telling them, by the way, this is how to do it right. 
And so they don't get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. And this, you know, uh, Belfry has a book, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. And I, I read the majority of the book. I'm trying to finish it, but I don't know where it is right now. But, uh, but this was one of his points that um, when he started out, you know, he kind of talks about his history and early that there was a, there were very various phases he went through. And the first thing, you know, one of the earlier, earlier phases was just, you know, generate, generate a, a, a lesson which has a lot of movement because the parents are watching and they want to see their kids doing something and they equate them moving and skating and, and uh, all this kind of stuff to uh, value. But eventually he got to the point where it was like, but you know, he wasn't satisfied with that because he realized that he wasn't providing value. If he's not teaching somebody something, a skill and making them and, you know, and they're actually learning something that they could use and getting better, then there's no value to it. It's just, you know, it's just, it's like a workout, right? So, um, but anyway, let me, let me move on to, because uh, there's a bunch more of these. Um, so paradox two, to improve puck skills, start without the puck. Um, so, you know, again, I'm just quoting uh, Mr. Han here. Many skills coaches have their students start drills with possession in order to maximize puck on stick time. Uh, it seems to make sense, but um, habitually starting with the puck actually holds players back because no one starts with the puck on their stick. This is a fact of hockey. Uh, so, you know, he, he goes on to say, almost every Belfry or Nicholas drill I observed started with a player either retrieving a loose puck or receiving a pass early in the sequence. Um, and then he had another article where he talked about how important the first, uh, the, the first touch that a player has in, in whether or not a play becomes successful where uh, that particular article talk, uh, shows some, a couple of NHL plays where a player got the puck in a, in a place where they touched it like a second too early and thus were, was, had to do something that then took away what otherwise might've been a great scoring opportunity. Coach, and um, yeah. Uh, that reminds me a lot of my daughter's soccer training. They talk about first touch uh, in mm -hmm. soccer a lot, which is that you have to have a very good soft landing for, for any pass or any, you know, when you're receiving, you're not receiving it. Like, you know, you, you, they don't start uh, a lot of the drills with the soccer ball on their feet. They, uh, they do a lot of first touch stuff. So what you're saying there is uh, certainly something I've seen um, my daughter go through. Yeah. And, and I think if you're looking at a, a lesson, well, this guy's saying, look, the, you know, I've had the privilege of working with these, uh, you know, people that are kind of the best in their field and what are they doing? Well, they're, they're designing these drills so that, you know, the player's not just, you know, in a line with a bunch of other kids and a bunch a whole bunch of pucks and then just having a puck right there and starting a drill. Um, and, and, you know, in my own experience, I'm, I feel like I've become more, more savvy, you know, consumer of this stuff. And there's certain coaches that uh, I, my son's been working with and more and more, I've started to look at what they're doing and, you know, and that's caused me to, you know, appreciate more, maybe some of the, you know, a particular coach just seeing, Hey, you know what, this guy's already doing a lot of these things 
that this article is saying are, are best practice. Uh, speaking um, for the uh, management at Youth Hockey Podcast, you're the best coach. <laughs> well, if I was coaching. But anyway, um, so let, let me keep going here because there's, uh, there's actually six of these. So uh, paradox three, to get off the wall, play on the wall. Um, I'll move here and, uh, you know, say that, uh, well, this is uh, this intro. Uh, how many people have, have not seen this in, in like a skills or, or a clinic where the, the majority of the practice you see the players are skating you know, up open ice with no one around. And his point is, well, that hockey is all about, um, you know, especially the, the higher level that your kid goes, there's less time and they are constantly confronted by other players. Uh, the pucks in the corner, there's three, four guys battling for it. You're the puck comes around and uh, it's stuck on the boards. Uh, you can't break out because the defenseman's pinching and there's two or three guys and, and there's, you know, bodies flying. Uh, the, this is what happens in hockey that play gets pushed uh, out of the middle of the ice into the corners behind the nets, um, you know, a, out at the blue line. So if you are, if, you, if there's a lesson and the lesson isn't including some of this, um, then how valuable is that lesson really? And uh, so he, he kind of says, well, you, you, a good coach has got to create more drills where players get their first touch on a rimmed puck or, um, you know, a puck that's thrown in the corner and they, where they're forced in the drill to do things like use their body to, to shield uh, and, and to, you know, have to evade a uh, other players and, uh, and finding ways to, to get off the wall to, you know, then get to the center of the ice, those type of things. And so um, uh, he has here a rule of thumb, 80% of a player's initial puck touches happen outside of the dot lanes during games. Thus, it's a good idea to have a large amount of time uh, working on the skills that allow players to turn pucks that are not in a, in a uh, favorable position into you know, into finding ways for that player to get the puck into a place where they can actually like attack the net or, you know, do something valuable with it. Um, any thoughts about, about that? Number three, we're, we're running, but, we're running low on time here, coach. You have exactly yeah. three minutes to finish your uh, next three. So I'm okay, going to leave it to well, you. No, I of course, will, of I will course you can take it. I can. No, yeah. take your time, coach, but I'm not going to, you know, just, uh, you know. I, I, hey, listen, if I, if I have to be cut off, you know. Never, <laughs> never, coach. You get as long as you want. Lance and I are on a strict 30-minute regimen. The coach takes his time. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I'd love to hear your takes on this, but, uh, but let me soldier on here. Great idea. Um, Number four, uh, de to develop in individual skills, incorporate partner work. So basically, this is just saying these, you know, top-notch um, uh, coaches are doing a lot of stuff where there's uh, a player, other players engaged in a drill. And um, he says that uh, top NHL coaches think differently. Um, for them, the presence of a partner creates important context and pushes players to execute to a high standard on each rep. On a retrieval drill, they seldom need to tell a player to go faster or shoulder check because if you don't do those things, 
then it's not going to be a successful repetition. You know, uh, if a, uh, these, you know, you watch some some clips of NHL practices, which there's a lot you can watch right now because this is that time of the season when there's all the teams are having development camps. And if you follow a team, it's easy enough. You're going to see these clips and you'll notice that there, you see a lot of this stuff. It's uh, one-on-one puck battles and, and things like that. Um, you know, puck coming, de- uh, player coming down the boards and he's got a defender right on him and these type of things um, where, uh, you know, uh, okay. If, if you're, if you've got a skills comp uh, or sorry, a skill session and the coach has found a way that he's pairing players up, and you know, putting them in these situations, that that tends to be the sign that uh, maybe you're getting a little bit more value out of your your dollar there. Um, okay, number five here to teach finesse, practice with contact. I think this is similar to number four. Um, that uh, he says, uh, you know, really great coaches uh, do things where the the players are always challenged with drills that require them to take or even initiate contact while the puck is on their stick. Um, he says, uh, skating is an act of balancing on metal razors while in movement, the same balancing act should occur when a player is practicing his or her puck skills, uh, sort of common sense, but how often do you see it? How, how often are you seeing a, a, a skill session where, uh, geez, I, I mean, there's just way too many yeah, that my, my kid's gone to where, he there at no point did in, in an entire hour did he engage with another player where they were you know it, it, the each player is just going through what their what their the the lesson requires maybe going through obstacles but at no point do they have ever you know even interact with another player but you know well, uh, the at, adjustments that really I mean I, I don't know what if the, if you think this follows but it's the adjustments that you make when you, after, after you make contact that are, are really, you know, important to continuing the play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and just how, how is a kid going to get good at this? How are they going to get used to it if it's not never happening in practice or in lessons? So um, again, if you, if you find a coach that is finding ways to do this, then maybe that's a, a better coach or a coach to where you're, you're getting more value. And, uh, and then to finish this off here, paradox six, to go really fast, start really slow. And um, he, <laughs> this is kind of a tough one because he, he, he uh, calls out PK Subin on this or, he, you know, he is that call him out that listen, that if people have followed hockey at all, they may have seen some uh, PK Subban um, clips of him doing uh, doing some, some off season work at various ranks. And the, when these came out, they were widely ridiculed at the time. And I, I feel bad for, for the guy, because I mean, you know, it's, you know, he's just trying to work on his game and people, somebody's videoing him and then they put it up. And, or in this case, I think he put it up, put him up, but uh, he, he took a lot of flack for these videos and, and it's sort of him, you know, kind of going at, at breakneck neck speed and, uh, you know, turning and whirling and, you know, changing his, uh, you know, going from front to back and everything. I think probably a lot for him was, you know, uh, the working on conditioning and, and these things, forcing himself to go fast. But the reality is when you look at him, it's, it, it, there's a lot of technique issues that he had. Uh, the, these repetitions were not great. And so um, what, what, uh, 
what the article says is a number of minor hockey coaches ask their athletes to go all out early in the session while neglecting form. And this kind of goes to what you were saying, Lance, I think before as well. Uh, how many times is there a coach where the main thing that they're saying to the player is fast, 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 but there's no consideration of the fact that a, a kid going as fast as they can with bad technique is not learning anything. They're not going to improve. They're just, right. you know, they're just out there flailing literally and, uh, and, and get, getting this message of, you gotta, Oh, you gotta be faster. And this is saying, well, these, these top level coaches, they're more focused on this is, uh, this is what I want to see in the technique. So do the technique a number of times until that technique is really good until the feel is there. Then you start looking for make it faster. But why, but the purpose of making it faster is to make it faster along with continuing to have that, that technique. And if it's just go faster, you know, if it's just a coach constantly telling a kid it's got to be faster, that's maybe not necessarily really uh, good coaching and um, uh, just something to be to something for people to think about. So there's your. Yeah, six- I, mean, I think you're right. All, all these points you make, you know, I'm thinking back to mites and squirts and peewees. I don't remember very many coaches teaching. I mean, one of the most valuable skills, I think, that you need to be successful as you move up the ladder is like puck protection. But like you said, I remember going to all these skills sessions. I don't remember a lot of guys really getting into the nitty gritty on how you protect the puck, as opposed to just throwing a puck in the corner and having two guys battle it out and they kind of have to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, which, well, and which, I think there's value. You know, there's value in 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 that. Uh, there's just uh, you know, there there's a lot of that going on. And I think what what Raleigh has brought to the to the front here is is a bunch of best practices. I mean, you know, it's great to have. Uh, you know, if if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're on an in-house team, yeah, throw the puck in the corner and and tell them to battle. But if you're going further in the sport, uh, you know try to prepare them for that battle by teaching them something before they do it. Uh, and, and what you have there is a great list coach. I think that's a, a really helpful uh, uh, set of, um, of, of uh, I don't know, points to, to help out, you know, to any coach, if, if you were yeah. to hand that, if you were to hand that to any coach um, I doubt if anyone would be too offended, even if they, they don't usually coach that way. Well, it, it's, it makes you wonder, you know, um, who who's taking the profession serious and uh and 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 considering how how to get better at at being a coach um i think there's some people that are there's other people that aren't there's some people that think they they're you know they were given the the way to coach hockey uh on the you know, the stone tablets, tablets, stone and- tablets. I saw you go in there, by the way, you know, they, they got, the, they got <laughs> was there. Too slow to get there. No, no, I was there with you. I was totally. And, uh, uh you know, they, they, they're never going to change, but, uh, I, I think, um, you know, probably the better people that are the best at, at most professions, they, they're experimental and they're, um, that they, they're applying, you know, they're, they're intellectual and they're constantly sort of, uh, experimenting and trying to figure out how do I do this really well? 
yeah and they're, they're open to a lot of different i still yeah. think uh, inquisitive is like you know like what could i do better you know that that's what i uh, um uh, always really respect is someone who is is really asking questions about themselves and about the you know all that kind of stuff but that that's what i look for i doubt we have any you know any skills coaches listening to this but if no. they do i sure hope that this would be the episode that maybe you know this isn't this isn't my article but uh no. but i it sure um, resonated with me. And I, I would hope that, uh, you know, it, like if I was a skills coach, this would be something I would really be thinking about here. Like how, you know, how can I'm I, gonna, I am going to better I'm lesson? flag this. I am flagging this as skills coaches take notice. That's, that's going to be the first <laughs> line for this. Uh, I hope you and, don't mind. Uh, well, this could be the, the quickest, uh, um, lightning round in the history of lightning rounds. Uh, but do you mind? I, I did prepare a lightning round. Yeah, no, let me, let me just conclude, uh, Again, I just want to say Jack Han, H-A-N. Um, you can find him. Uh, I want to give him full credit for this. Um, I follow him on Twitter. He has a newsletter called the Hockey Tactics Newsletter. Um, so you search him out and uh, if you're interested in more stuff from him. And uh, thanks to him for this, uh, this material. All right. Sounds great. Okay. I am going to lead us into what, like I said, what could be the shortest uh, um, uh, uh, lightning round ever, but uh, I want you to think of the topic now uh, and see how far you can take it. Uh, the topic is hockey brands that are no longer in existence. Hockey brands that no longer produce hockey equipment. I will start. Uh, I will start with Easton Hockey. I remember when Easton Hockey would make a bunch of uh, uh, hockey things. They do not. Darn uh, you, I, Randy! That was my uh, choice. Uh, Dave, can I uh, can I hit you? Well, I, I I can keep this going at least yeah. for one brand, but um, but uh, since you brought up Easton, now yeah. see, Easton started out to be uh, was a baseball brand. Yeah, no, right? I have an Easton baseball bat from my youth. I still have it. So it was kind of interesting when they did um, start to branch out into hockey, um, but um, Easton was purchased by Bauer. Is that? Am I right there? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, so that, so in a Bauer way, yeah, Easton is gone, but it was, yeah, it was, it's gone, but it's gone because it was bought. It was purchased. no, no. I, by the way, these are the, let's face it, these are, you know, I'm doing what I can over here. I'm trying to stay in the hockey milieu. Okay. Go ahead. What's a, what's a, what's another, uh, um, brand well, that's gone? you know, you, you teed this up for me so beautifully because, um, my, my kid, uh, was talking about a picture that, uh, my, uh, my mother has and and we happen to be in pennsylvania at her home at this moment and he was just he was uh making fun of my um this picture of me and my hockey equipment and uh, you know just saying how like you that has got to be the worst style i've ever seen on any person like what like what were you wearing and uh, one of the things he brought he was like what are those gloves that you were wearing and uh, i was wearing cooper Ah, Cooper gloves. Uh, they, they were bought by Bauer took as well. Mine and Randy took mine. Yeah, they were bought by <laughs> Bauer as well. Okay, go ahead. Poor Lance. Lance. And like the guy that has to go third in this is just getting. Screamed. And it's always Lance, by the way. We yeah, always make my, sure. My first choice was uh, my first choice was what Randy said, and then Cooper was my second choice. Can I I'm help you, Lance? Think. Would you like me to help you? Sure, because I remember the bubble Jofa. helmets. The you were the one that showed, you were the one that told me about Jofa. Jofa helmets or jo oh, that's Jaffa. Right. You were the one that, that so I'm gonna give you credit for that because I really believe Jaffa or Jofa, which is it? Jofa. Jofa. Yeah. I believe that's gotta be credit for you. 
Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about uh, the some Jofo equipment? Oh, uh, the buckets. Oh, that was a good bucket. Yeah, they were famous for the helmets. Um, I to this day, it, on the rare occasions I en end up uh, out on the ice with the equipment on, I my uh, my shin guards are Jofa, and oh. these things could take a bullet. I mean, they are uh, they are giant and. Uh, heavy plastic so yeah oh well that's good you get some lexan in there some like bulletproof glass that's great well, the, well they also there's no straps on them so every time my son sees this oh yeah like, you just tape your legs like what do you mean have straps on those things i have to tape them on yeah tape them to your legs i'm gonna hey, go Randy. with Re reebok hockey uh if you remember reebok uh was uh was oh yeah i'm gonna go with reebok for mine coach yeah, I uh, got one. Hey, is Randy one is I, Dave going to steal no, mine? Dave, no, we'll no see. I'm not. I'm not. But I want to go back to. Uh, I want to just say one thing about Cooper. Yeah. Okay. One of the most legendary uh, pieces of equipment, the greatest pair, the greatest piece of equipment I ever had, Cooper Alls. Uh, now go look it up. <laughs> there was a team, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, that actually played a whole season with Cooperalls and uh, this was like the first sort of form fitting pant um, technology. It was like, uh, you know, the I pads were all those. sort of, yeah. And, and they also had <laughs> along with this, they had a, like a pant that you put on. It looked like a, wearing a pair of sweatpants and I had those as well. And they were, they were fantastic, man. I, I love those Cooperalls. You are the best at the lightning round I've ever seen. Uh, now I please. got two more. Your next one, coach. Well, uh, okay. See, uh, it's getting tough now, but um, Lang. Wow, I don't even know. I that had one. a pair of Lang of skates. Oh boy, you got to look these up. Okay, this is the craziest thing ever. I got, I wore a pair of Lang skates. So Lang were those was, the moon boot ones? They were. They were. It was Lang is a or was a um, ski boot manufacturer. Yes, and yes. They made a skate. It had. <laughs> it looked like a ski boot. It had a joint at the ankle and two pieces of plastic molding just like a ski boot and i played in these for an entire season uh a secondhand pair that i got from some neighbors uh, uh never forget those things super sexy sure, go okay, ahead it's too bad i don't have them because oh, you know, they'd, they'd be, be worth a million yeah yeah man. okay go ahead uh lance what you got okay i got a great one sherwood oh sherwood that was a good one that was a yeah. good one i'm going with tps TPS. What? What are we? The, the is are these reports that you, the TPS reports that we're talking about? What is this? No, that was a. It was a stick, right? I mean, I we had a TPS stick uh, that uh, that uh, uh, used to be in in. Uh, I remember it. It was like yellow or something. It was some weird color too. Huh. Look them up. Look them up. I, TPS. I've never heard of that. I'm okay. almost certain. If I am wrong, uh, please, uh, hockey people, uh, just tell me I'm wrong because that's possible. But I remember a yellow or orange, or it was some weird ass color, uh, a TPS stick. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, see, that this is where I can keep going on sticks. Uh, Christian Brothers. Uh, <laughs> Literally, we uh, none of us can fact check you on this. By the way, go ahead. Well, well, the Christian Brothers are are well known because they actually were brothers from Minnesota. Dave, Chris, a uh, couple of them. Well, yeah, Dave Christian was, I think right name uh was one of the uh 1980 olympic uh, players uh, a family of uh, players from minnesota that all uh, played like sort of old nhl and college legends and they had their own equipment company there 
And so um, I had Christian Brothers sticks back in the day. My turn. Mm -hmm. I uh, here's one that I uh, I don't think many people knew there was Rawlings hockey. Oh yeah, I know Rawlings. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a long time ago though. That was that's uh, you're dating your sister there. Uh, that is a long. I mean, time another ago. baseball, another baseball manufacturer there. Yeah, yes. yeah, like Easton. Yeah, Easton. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I don't have anything, else, but I did find TPS. Uh, yes, TPS uh, uh, no longer available anywhere, uh, but uh, they were a uh, uh, a hockey uh, stick manufacturer. Total I thought they were like, I thought they had a something. weird color too, but the one I'm looking at is like black. So uh, maybe I was wrong about that. Uh, but no, I do not have any more. Uh, uh, I remember something right. like Win Winwell uh, or something like. Do you oh know? God! Yeah, yeah. You see, you could have kept going. Winwell. I could, but no. Okay, I, but I didn't know what it was. Uh, what was it? Uh, that well, they made helmets. Uh, very. I the Winwell helmet looked a lot like what eventually the um, the uh, Reebok helmets look like. Nice. Well, uh, I, yeah. okay. I'm not taking credit for that because I, I just remembered it, but I don't know. I didn't, I couldn't tell you if it was a helmet or a, you know, a, a, a mouth guard. It could have been. I mean, they, I think they probably made other equipment too. They probably had like, yeah. you know, elbow pads and gloves and everything. I definitely remember the Winwell he helmet, uh, helmets. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So that is, uh, by the way, I thought it was going to be the shortest conversation we ever had. Turned out, coach, uh, to be uh, a pretty long one, and I'm proud of yeah, it now yeah. because uh, we dug into a little hockey history, and I, I feel like we did it justice. Uh, so that is it for episode 48 of the Youth Hockey Podcast. For anybody who would like to complain about anything that I've said in the Youth Hockey Podcast, please email me at youthhockeypodcast at gmail.com. If anyone would like to praise either Lance or Dave, same address, youthhockeypodcast at gmail.com, youthhockeypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love talking to you. Thank you for listening. And we will see you in 49. Remember to visit Gabe Gifford Hockey. The link is in the description and the webpage below. <laughs>